In today's episode, we reflect on Lent and the unique ways God may be calling us to grow in grace. Welcome back to Fashion by Faith. I'm Rachel, and I'm pleased to be back in the studio this week to talk with you about fashion and our faith in God, our Creator. Hoping you are hanging in there this work week. We've made it to Wednesday now, and Ash Wednesday, no less. So God be with you if you are in the middle of your fast. Be sure to tell your friends to visit fashionbyfaith.com and stay posted for new episodes every Wednesday. The title of today's episode is, If Today You Hear God's Voice, Preparing for a Grace-Filled Lent. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fashion by Faith Podcast and find our group on Facebook by searching for Fashion by Faith. Hello, everybody. It is so good to be back with you after our discussion last week about homemaking and being a stay-at-home mom. And we are missing Lisa today, and I very much look forward to her joining us again soon. Um, But she does send her hellos to everybody. One thing I just love about our discussions is the chance to think about something in a new way or to walk away with an inspiring idea where I can go home and try it in a new way. And something that stuck with me so much from last week's discussion was, you know, doing our job with excellence wherever we can. And when our job is being a stay-at-home mom, you know, it means approaching all the responsibilities in our house, surrounding our house, and with raising our kids um, with the best we've got, you know, with our brains, with creativity, all that stuff. So I'm going to share one quick triumph with you. You guys know that in my family, one area of spiritual work we're doing, physical work, is to simplify our home and to become more minimal. And um, part of that means going around to each portion of your house and determining what needs to go, what can stay, and all that. And also looking where are you um, wasting the most time. And I determined that a lot of it for us is in the kitchen. We spend so much time washing dishes. Some people like to throw their stuff in the dishwasher, and I'm not crazy about doing that in our house because we end up with sort of etched dishes or like a film on them. Um, And if you don't have just the right amount, like sometimes you have to wait to fill up a load or whatever. I like the direct, quick method of hand washing. But... Um, we were washing for hours. I don't know. It just took so long to get all the dishes done. So part of the problem is we own a lot of place settings. Um, We have a big family and we like to entertain. So we need to have at least 10, 11, 12, whatever place settings for holidays and get togethers. But when you own that many, it's very easy to use them all throughout the day you know you use a plate you use the next plate you use the next plate and before you know it you have a huge pile so I made a tweak recently that was so obvious I should have thought of it before but I didn't and that was to rearrange where we have our dishes in our cabinet we take we took the four main ones that we need for those of us in our family who are old enough to use a plate and a fork and stuff and we put them on the lowest shelf that's accessible and then we put the rest of our dishes on a higher shelf where they're harder to get to so 
Obviously, what it means is we use a plate or a bowl for breakfast, and then we're forced to wash it and have it be clean and dry by lunchtime, and then we use that again. So throughout the whole day, we're using so many um, fewer dishes than we were before. And guys, it's been life-changing in my kitchen, and I, I'm, I need to do that in like all areas of my house and make them efficient, but... I'm just thrilled that making small tweaks can make such a big difference in the peace and the efficiency of our day. Can I also share with you um, a story from that happened this weekend? It was a mix of some really high points and also one of the scarier moments of my life. <laughs> um, we had this amazing opportunity to spend some time with, some one-on-one -on -one time with one of the families in our co-op. And... What I loved about it so much was, you know, when you get into kind of close quarters with some friends that you might see, you know, from school or out and about in your routine, but you really have more family time with them, it's so much fun to see people in different settings because you deepen your friendship with them. You get to know them and see them in different environments. So we just love that. And one of the things that we did together as, as a family was visit this old lighthouse. Um, it was really fun. I think some of our kids maybe had not seen a lighthouse before, so to see it through their eyes was really exciting. And it was a nice, bright, pretty warm day that we went. So, okay, Andrew and I get there with this family, and we've got our three kids with us. Um, Vincent shoots up the steps with the other kids, and he's having no problem. Leo is more nervous going up, so Andrew is with Leo. And I've got Joey in my arm. Now, Joey is, what, he's going on 16 months. He's, um, last we had checked when he was 12 months, he was 22 pounds. But as I'm going, got him in my arm and I'm going up in this lighthouse, I'm thinking, this kid feels so much heavier than 22 pounds. So I go up the first spiral, you know, it's broken up into maybe, I forget, maybe five different segments. So I walk up the first segment and I'm thinking, whoa, this is, this is making my legs burn. And I'm realizing probably how much strength I had lost from that year in bed that I hadn't fully gained back yet so I'm going up okay finally it my legs feel like jello and I'm like huffing and puffing but I finally get to the top of this lighthouse and I'm so relieved because I just need to catch my breath and you know I've got my baby with me and we did it but something has happened to me since I've had kids and it's something about I don't know it's it's this fear that I'm going to fall forward especially if either if I'm expecting a baby and my balance is off or my center of gravity is off or if I'm holding one of my kids going down an escalator or steps generally has become really frightening to me for some reason and so here I'm at the top of this lighthouse and going down back down is treacherous because anyone who's been in a lighthouse knows that the steps are narrow and you're holding on to a spiral you know handrail and I was petrified that I was going to lose my footing. But Andrew is helping Leo go down because Leo is also petrified. And so he's coaching him, come on, you can do it. So I'm up here. My legs are complete jello. And now my arm is becoming complete jello because Joey is just a hefty boy. So I'm praying really hard getting down each segment. And I made it down the first one, maybe the second one, just 
you know, walking down slowly and praying and praying. And finally, I just got to the point where I was so fearful, I guess, that my legs were going to give out or I was going to drop the baby or something that I had, I decided I needed to just go down on my bum. <laughs> it's how I, we, you know, so many people teach their kids to, to go down steps when they're learning um, as babies. So anyway, <laughs> we had our one friend who was down at the bottom saying, hey, do you want me to come get him? And I just had it in my brain, like, I, I'm i this kid's mom. I've got to get us down. Like, one way or another, I'm going to get us down safely. So <clears throat> you better believe I was thrilled by the time we were back on solid ground. There's nothing like feeling so free when you come out the other side of a difficulty that has only one way out, which is down in this case. So a couple days after Joey had his 15-month you know, checkup, and it turns out that he had grown a lot since 12 months. He was now 26 pounds, so no wonder my arm was feeling a little, little sore. And then going down the steps just normally after that for a few days, oh my word, my legs hurt so badly. So it was one of the most epic um, workouts I've had in quite a while. If you have any stories of dire straits that you've been in and have sex successfully gotten out of, um, feel free to share them in our Facebook group if you want to. So, all right, let us move on to the fashion confession. Okay, so for my fashion confession today, I'm going to come clean about an oops that happened with my favorite new pants I talked about in the last episode. It's my big full linen pants and what I was able to do about it. So due to a series of events, my poor pants mistakenly ended up in the dryer and shrunk. I was devastated. I'm sort of ashamed at like the level of my reaction Um, but when I discovered what happened and I tried them on and only to confirm my fears that they had shrunk in length and they hung around my ankles instead of down by my feet so as dumb as this sounds I really had a spiritual battle to fight in that moment I had to be verbally reminding myself that this is just a physical thing and that I shouldn't I should be detached that it this does not really matter but I was still thinking oh man it's not in the budget to buy another pair and even if I wanted to I couldn't because um, this particular one was sold out and I'd worked so hard with exchanges to get the right pair you know uh, all this work honestly it was dumb <laughs> to react in such a strong way but I did I had this visceral reaction Um, which was disproportionate to actually how important this garment was. But it totally got me thinking that day about resilience and how we just need to keep going and bounce back when something disappointing happens. And this is just a dumb little example because it's clothing, but I, I, I think about what if it's something really important like you know, if you're starting a new business and customers just aren't biting like you'd hoped they were, um, how do you deal with those feelings? Or you keep trying for a baby and you get a big fat no month after month, how do you still go forward and live the life, you know, that you're called to when you're feeling so sad? 
or maybe you sustain an injury that changes your life and what if it's losing a limb or something like that where you it changes everything and you have to adjust it is so so easy to sink into disappointment or dejection or despair when it's a really huge disappointment or huge change or huge loss and um but for smaller disappointments i think it's easy to fall into something like a sour mood which could rub off on family members and isn't really fair um this is where i have been thinking that prayer is our best weapon that we can lay our emotions out before god and ask for a strong will to keep moving forward and focused on our calling that day so that uh, we don't get lost in our sourness <laughs> um and as the optina elders say when things unforeseen occur uh, when things unforeseen occur let me not forget that all cometh down from thee and even disappointments are opportunities for us to grow and they're gifts actually from God you know any kind of little or big adversity so after my initial worry fest that I had about my pants um, I googled how to unshrink linen wondering if it was even possible and I was delighted to find numerous articles um, about the hair conditioner trick I don't know if anyone listening has ever tried this before. I remember as a teenager, I used to stretch my jeans out all the time because, you know, I'd, I'd dry them and they would always be tighter and I'd have to put them on and like, you know, crouch down and do lunges and stuff to stretch them back out. But jeans were stretchier and these pants are not stretchy. So I didn't know what was possible. So with the hair conditioner trick, you fill a bucket with lukewarm water and add a tablespoon of mild conditioner, and then you soak your garment for at least half an hour to let the conditioner kind of grease the fibers of your material and loosen them up. And then finally, you tug your garment you know, as much as you can into its original size, so there's still that pulling motion. I measured my pants before I did this trick because I wanted to make sure that I wanted to confirm if it actually made a difference and um, before the soaking and then afterwards after all the tugging I was able to gain two inches in my pants so that's a good sign and I haven't worn them yet so time will tell if they are as fashionable as they were when they started out if they do go all the way to the floor but I am optimistic at this point that the conditioner trick seemed to make a big difference. I also really quickly wanted to share with you guys one of my favorite beauty products um, from this past week. I've been using it for a few weeks actually, and it's a mainstream brand that you can find in any big box store if you're interested. So have you ever tried the Not Your Mother's brand of dry shampoo? And I'm just an enormous fan. I'm loving it so much because it doubles as a volumizer and texturizer in a way that I have not found other dry shampoos to do. So typically a dry shampoo will do a great job of absorbing oils so you can go further between uh, washes. And then, you know, it'll do that and you'll get some texture. But if you contrast that with a volumizer or a texturizer, you're going to get really nice texture from a product like that, but it might end up weighing your hair down over time because it's heavy and then you're going to need to wash. 
So it's kind of like you get one or the other. But with this product, you get amazing volume and a really great, what like, really great resistance, really great texture in your hair. And it's not greasy and it's not weighed down. So it's a texturizer that you can use and use for a few days until your next wash. Um, the one particular version that is my favorite is the one with the purple graphics on it and it's called Plump for Joy. And guys, I'm telling you, the texture is just awesome, especially in my case, because my hair is very slippery. So I'll take the help where I can get it. I love it. All right, friends, let's go ahead and move on to the heart of our reflection for this episode. If today you hear God's voice preparing for a grace-filled Lent. I feel like Lent is one of those times, one of those opportunities that we can either seize and grow from tremendously or miss out on with regret. Or sometimes it could be something in between. It's kind of like the liturgical season of Advent. If we aren't intentional and prayerful before we know it, Christmas shows up in our living room and we've spent barely any time wondering at the miracle of Christ's arrival. We can be left feeling sort of numb and like we missed something profound or that there's something beautiful just out of reach. And isn't the whole Christian life sort of like this? We're given free will and with that we could waste our time watching mindless videos on YouTube or taking selfies all day long or we could perform acts of love that make a profound difference to someone. Every choice we make could be wonderful or it could be a tragic waste. I recently watched a video clip from Bishop Robert Barron on the Word on Fire show uh, about uh, the meaning of Lent, and he and the points he made were so inspiring to remind viewers what this 40-day season is meant to um, accomplish for us. I think it's good to review this every year to sort of warm up our cold, complacent hearts and get them ready for this challenging, intimate transformative time toward God and with God. Before getting into some of these incredible points, uh, let's take a minute though to review what the Catholic Church means by the season of Lent in case any of our listeners are not entirely uh, familiar with these traditions. Lent is a 40-day period of preparation and is modeled after the 40 days that Jesus fasted in the desert to prepare for his public ministry. Um, you can refer to Matthew 4 or Luke 4 for accounts of this. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday and ends at the sundown or right before Mass of the Thursday before Easter, which is the day before Good Friday. What is this whole time of preparation all about? Like, why do we need Lent? Um, to fully understand it, we first have to try to grasp why remembering Christ's passion and resurrection are at the pinnacle of the liturgical year. And I would even say as a convert to Catholicism over the few years that, you know, it's been more than a few now, but that I've spent time understanding the differences for how the Protestant churches that I grew up in and the Catholic church treat Easter. There is a certain additional reverence that I find that comes from the Catholic celebration um, and that 
grasping it and understanding what Christ did and what he did in that time between his his um, passion and his resurrection is just so important. Um, so n- not only did God humble himself to such an unthinkable degree that he became a human like us to condescend to our level, you know, we're creatures and he became like us but he suffered more than we could ever imagine by taking upon himself the punishment for the sins of the entire world since the dawn of time this is way more sins than we could ever comprehend and then after dying a humiliating and excruciating death he went down into the depths of Hades to free those um, who were in friendship with God but had been waiting and waiting for the arrival of the Messiah and waiting for admittance into heaven and that was something that I didn't understand until more recent years Um, you know in the creed when it talks about Christ descended into hell I used to think what that meant was he went into hell as a punishment like you know the punishment that he was incurring on our behalf but in the orthodox and catholic traditions it's that he was going down into hades um a place of waiting for let's say father abraham you know and these um men and women who were very loved by god there was no admittance to heaven until christ the messiah could come so i heard one Per, one person um, in a talk one time talk about it like he was like a cowboy going down to rescue everybody and when you think of it this way it's just mind-boggling like what oh my goodness so um in this sense jesus conquered death itself meaning that men who came thereafter had a place of salvation and peace to go if they died in friendship with with god um, and wouldn't just be stuck waiting so in awe and honor of what Christ had done, has done out of love for humanity, the church highly reveres the days of the Easter Triduum, and this would be the time from Good Friday until Easter Sunday. So in her wisdom, the church has ordained Lent as a time for us to prepare our hearts to worshipfully and in reverence enter into Christ's death and resurrection. And so it begins on Ash Wednesday, which is today, the day this um, episode comes out, uh, with a tangible reminder for Catholics that from dust we are made and to dust we shall return. So this is when Catholics receive ashes in the sign of the cross on their foreheads. Lent is characterized by the disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And these actions help us to empty ourselves of self and fill up with God all that all the love all the goodness that that comes from god and being more like god so ash wednesday and good friday catholics fast and abstain from eating meat and the other fridays of lent we also abstain from eating meat so that's a little um, overview of what lent looks like so getting back to bishop Barron's talk he explains to viewers why we are supposed to deny ourselves pleasures during lent which um, goes back to you know abstinence and um, fasting and all that. Like, why no meat on Fridays? Why not more than one full meal on Ash Wednesday? And why have a growling belly? What is accomplished by saying no to food? Or it doesn't have to be only food. 
why do we have the tradition of giving something up for Lent, like getting off Facebook, which is a common one, or giving up makeup or not spending any fun money. One reason is to get, quote, all that clutter out of the way, end quote. Um, It's easy for our spirit to latch onto worldly goods, which Bishop Barron describes as secondary goods. The primary good is God, and even when we forget or we can't really grasp it, God is more satisfying than all the pleasures on the face of the planet. It's, you know, if we really think about how God is being itself. Um, God is love. God is everything that is perfect and good. And in God, we have the beatific vision, or those in heaven who can behold God, behold the beatific vision. So it's so much more than maybe um, we can grasp here on earth what it means to be satisfied fully by God and all of God's love. But denying ourselves gets these secondary goods out of the way, even if it's just for a little while, like for 40 days during Lent or something. But okay, it gets even deeper. Bishop Barron, uh, Barron goes into saying that the physical hunger we experience during fasting allows for a deeper hunger to emerge. We are creating an actual void, an actual emptiness in our bellies. When we do this, we open ourselves to notice the hunger for God himself. And I find this to be so mind-boggling. Um, there was something similar that came to my mind from Metropolitan Anthony Bloom in his book, Beginning to Pray. He says, when we remove all distractions and just sit there, no conversation, no radio, no phone, no food, no books, maybe not even any lights turned on, no nothing, we will begin to feel terrified at our sense of being alone and utterly dependent on God. So just like let that sink in. It occurs to me that many people may never know what this feels like unless we actually do the hard work of sitting in discomfort. I mean, um, does it does it even feel possible anymore to just sit and do nothing? To just sit without checking our phones? To just sit without having to run around and be busy all the time? Or just sit without popping a snack in our mouth? I mean... We always want to fill our time and our space with something entertaining or something to to um, keep our mind busy. But if all that's gone, all we have is ourselves and God. And then it can be very sobering. So Lent is our chance to see what's on the other side of this fence of longing. Meaning we just can't know what that feels like until we take the plunge and do it. I think how many times in our lives do we have that moment of awakening when we realize that little pleasures are so important to us that we can barely say no, you know, that they actually do have a certain amount of control over us. I am sure that mature Christians on the path to sainthood can spot this readily in their lives, but I wonder if for many of us it's probably shocking um, how much we actually love our comforts. Think for a second about some of the comforts you enjoy in your life. And I'm going to think about mine for a second. And actually, I know the main one that pops up is definitely around hunger. So 
probably especially since having kids, if I go too long between meals, if I get too hungry, I um, just tend not to feel good. I tend to, my blood sugar tends to be just different than it was from before I had kids. And so being a little bit hungry, like I'm sure I could deal with it better when I was younger, maybe when I was a kid or whatever. And now being a little bit hungry, okay, I can be hungry for a little bit, but if it goes on, it is really hard for me to just accept. So let's imagine it out with my kids. My kids are home and you know, they've had their breakfast and now it's mid-morning and they're already saying, mommy, I'm hungry. And maybe if we're going to try to wait until lunchtime, they might keep saying, oh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Well, if I'm hungry too, it is so easy for me to say to them, no, 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 you have to wait for your lunch. But do I wait for lunch? You know, can I wait an hour and a half when I'm hungry? And I'll be honest in I've had an awakening about this more recently, but it is so easy for me to pop food in my mouth, you know, but still think, oh, no, no, you just ate, guys. You know, you need to wait until lunch um, and have an expectation that they can do it even if I can't. Can I (laughs) wait half an hour when I'm really hungry? When you're a grown-up, especially when you're home or like at your office, if you have a stash of snacks, it's so easy to pop food in your mouth whenever you feel like it at the first slightest sign of hunger. And, you know, that maybe that's fine in certain situations, but what about in other parts of the world where there's hardship, where every little comfort desired isn't there and where people are used to discomfort? Uh, It really, really gets me thinking about um, how much, I'll I'll put it in quotes, suffering. There can be, um, even with the slightest discomfort, this is not to say that created goods are bad or that comforts are bad um, because God created the world and it was good and he created, you know, the, the happy feeling of satiation when you eat and you're relieved that you feel good. Like that's all, it is all good. But it's kind of a point about if, the goods that we receive from our senses, you know, our sensual pleasures, um, if they, if we cannot live without every single one being met all the time in every circumstance, it can make us um, stop and ask if they rule over us or if we rule over them. The truth is that God created human beings um, for himself. And this huge part of our job here is is discovering God and discovering how to live the way that he wants us to since we are his creatures. And so food or drink or clothing and you know fashion and all that these are goods given to us for our needs. We need to eat, we need to drink, we need to clothe ourselves. But um if we are too obsessed with or too focused on more than just what we need but also what we want like how fine and fancy the food is or you know if we have closets and closets full of beautiful clothes then we could be missing the mark on um, how God intended us to use our bodies and how he intended us to use material goods Philippians chapter 3 has two great verses that 
kind of refer to this, verses 18 and 19. It's, they say, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And it's really interesting to note how the stomach is what is spoken about as almost like the biggest temptation um, to be distracted from God, as if eating good food, overeating, focusing on, almost like food is representative of all of the, um, the sensual desires. It could also represent any other desires we have, though, or anything else we could be addicted to, or anything else that could um, we could put before God himself or use to comfort ourselves. The big three that Bishop Barron tells us that come from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas are food, drink, and um, the act that leads to procreation. I'll speak in code here to keep it PG. But these are some of the main areas that if humans are not careful, um, we can sort of drown ourselves in pleasures in these areas, which would lead then to a sort of a lifestyle of hedonism, a lifestyle of pleasure seeking as if that's what we're meant for. But we learn from the saints and from scripture that we are meant for so much more than pleasure. And this might sound really dumb, but a couple years ago, it wasn't even that many years ago, I felt like I had a light bulb go off. It's like I knew in my brain that we weren't meant for pleasure because that would be sinful. But um, something about realizing it in my spirit, oh my goodness, seeking after pleasure is not the point. And, and again, pleasure could mean getting that night that beautiful new outfit or that great pair of shoes or you know living for when (laughs) living for the weekend and being so excited to go out to the restaurants on the weekends like that stuff is all good but in its proper order that isn't the purpose of life so now that we've talked about the benefits of denying ourselves and um, weakening the grasp our passions and desires might have on us Let's talk about how to discern the focus of our Lenten journey because, again, we want to think about Lent as this opportunity to become closer to God and point ourselves toward God, and we want to make it um, all that it can be and take advantage of this incredible opportunity. So we could reach for a popular go-to like giving up chocolate or sweets, I've done this plenty of times in my earlier life, and this would have definitely could have real benefit, but how do we know if this particular abstinence is the right one for us? Or how do we know what the right mix of prayer and fasting and almsgiving is for us? If today you hear God's voice, harden not your hearts. This is from Hebrews 3 verses 7 and 8. God, we know, communicates with us in many ways, whether it be through other people or through our conscience or, you know, intuition or through coincidences, etc. Um, if we are very quiet and honest with ourselves, 
we can ask, what is an area in our lives that has been a thorn in our side? An area that nags at us and won't seem to go away no matter how hard we try. An area that um, we have tried so hard to make fit but just can't seem to. Lent is a time to shine a flashlight in all the nooks and crannies of our spirit and see where there are blockages or sticky spots. Maybe there um, are a few areas like this or maybe there is one big glaring one and maybe the nagging that we've been hearing is God's invitation for us to surrender something that we didn't even think we could. This can be a scary thought, but also um, Lent is only 40 days long. So in theory, if we are wondering if we're called to, to some sort of abstinence, then we can try it out for 40 days and we can see what graces come from it and what we learn from God and that could be a good thing. So one example that comes to my my mind is someone who perhaps gave up all social media. Like maybe that would be scary or hard or someone who gave up, you know, using anything but a desk phone or something, like gave up their smartphone. Maybe this is too extreme for some people or maybe this is exactly what another person needs to just break some habits, just break them down and open a person back up to that communion and closeness that they are craving with God and maybe with their family too. And then from there, whatever abstinence seems like um, what we're called to, I think it's a good idea for us to go Um, before God in prayer to ask you know how prayer and fasting I'm sorry prayer and almsgiving would fit in with that what um, what is God calling us to how can the thing that we are maybe abstaining from the thing or things how can that not only affect us or benefit us but how can it bring us outside of ourselves to benefit someone else is almsgiving does that involve giving money Uh, to different causes does it I mean this is a more loose interpretation this is just coming from me but does it also mean giving of time to you know friends or family in need or more focused time to our kids or something like that and then in Bishop Barron's talk he he mentioned you know for prayer that this could even be turning to prayers that we haven't prayed for a long time if we don't currently pray the rosary maybe turning to the rosary more often or even you know the mass is the highest form of prayer so would we consider in addition to um, weekly mass on sundays or saturday nights could we also go to daily mass once or twice in the week or go to adoration or something like that So I think talking to God about that, what mix of all these things uh, he may be calling us to, would be helpful so that we know if we're going in the right direction. So this is my goal in my Lenten journey this year is to prayerfully consider um, where, where God is calling me from a prayer and almsgiving and fasting standpoint. And I'm also going to share with everybody that one big area for me is going to be in the way of food and abstaining from certain foods that I have a suspicion may cause inflammation for me. This, again, is something that should be easy enough. Like, just don't eat that. Just don't eat 
that particular thing that your kids are eating, eat something else. But for some reason, I guess when you have so many different foods that you're not eating, it's just so much harder than it seems. So I'm going to be working in that area. And I look forward to hearing from others in my life what their areas of focus are and to hear what growth they're experiencing and what God is doing for them in their Lenten journey. So as I wrap up this episode, I feel like I want to acknowledge that in our Fashion by Faith community, we are at all different points in our journey. Some of us have been in the faith a long time and are mature in the faith. Others of us are newer and we are learning new things all the time, I guess as all people are. And some people maybe are just learning about the faith. And so wherever each one of us is, you know, in our faith journey, I pray that our Lent is fruitful and that God draws us closer to himself as we deny ourselves and open ourselves up to more of God and his grace. All right, now it is time for Holy Homework. Okay, listeners, my challenge for myself and for you this week is to find five minutes and a quiet room. And if you have kids or if you're married or whatever situation, see if you can find some time when everybody's in bed or where you can have a few minutes completely to yourself. Sit down in a chair, close your eyes, and see what it feels like to have zero distractions, zero temptations for five minutes. This actually might sound glorious, maybe if you're a mom, five minutes to yourself. And if you feel like you could go longer than five minutes to really get the full experiment, do that if it's possible, if you can find that many minutes. But sit in silence and quiet and see where your brain goes and see where what longings appear when we have nothing to fill our minds or to distract ourselves with, where it's just us and God. And now for our Facebook discussion question, which we will be posting in our Fashion by Faith Facebook group. What is a Lenten practice that you've done in the past that helped you grow closer to God? Or, and, or, what are you hoping to focus on this year? Thanks for listening to the Fashion by Faith podcast. Soon we'll have a new merchandise line so that you can show your support of the podcast. Updates to come on that. And please spread the word. Tell your friends to visit fashionbyfaith.com to click on any link to listen through their favorite podcast platform. We'll see you on Wednesday for our next episode. Can't wait to be back in the studio with Lisa. And until then, stay true to the faith and keep growing in style.